Hello. Welcome to Public Affairs and WRBH. I'm Lynn Koppel, and today we're joined by Steve Myers, who is with The Lens. And, you know, Steve, I want you to tell our listeners what The Lens is and what it does for New Orleans. I think it's a great service and a, a great uh, news source, but uh, describe it and tell us how we can get in touch or how we can read it. The Lens is a nonprofit newsroom. It's reader-supported. Um, we focus on a few different topics that are all public policy-oriented and issues that we feel are uh, really very important to the future of New Orleans and the Gulf Coast. So we have a reporter who focuses on environmental issues, specifically the coast, coastal restoration. Um, we write about a lot about charter schools. And uh, then we do what we call government accountability reporting uh, with local government agencies. So we don't cover a lot of the press conferences, but we try to look at the effects of uh, policies and try to check in on how um, our leaders are spending our money and leading our community. What I love about The Lens is you write about a story and then you follow it up. Uh, one of the things that annoys me, and if you don't mind me being a critic, <laughs> is that much of our, our national press, well, what we read, you hear something and then it goes away forever. And well, whatever happened about XYZ. In other words, we just voted for this, or they've just done a study and said they're not spent, you know, the government isn't spending the money the way it should be, but whatever happens. Exactly. We feel like we, it's really important to follow up on what happens. And uh, for instance, one of the stories I'm particularly proud of is that we have checked the uh, operation of school zone lights in the city <laughs> four separate times. We've gone to every single light. Uh, in the city to see if they work. And, and after the first few times, the city officials said that they would get on that and they would fix those lights and make sure that they did. But every time we checked, they about half were not working. This fall, when we checked for the first time, almost 80% of the school lights were working. So <laughs> we feel like, hey, you know, maybe something is changing. Well, and, and that's that's what we expect of our press is not just tell us some interesting new uh, thing and then completely forget it and let it just drop with everything else. So good work. Thanks for the. Thank you. I know the lens has done some other things, particularly with blight in the city, where you go back and you know you all right, you repaired this many houses. Well, where exactly are those houses? Yes, and we're going to do more work on that. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. That's something of, of particular interest to me. Well, let's talk more about what's going on now. We've just finished a particularly. Um, shall we say, exciting year, and we're starting a new year. Can you sort of draw us from what things happened in 2016 that should be of interest to people in New Orleans and Louisiana uh, and how these things are going to affect us here? And we, we've started, you and I were talking about uh, climate change, the environment, which, of course, has a great impact on Louisiana. Yes, one of the things that we're uh, closely looking at is um, whether uh, President-elect Trump will follow through on some of his promises to repeal environmental regulations and roll back some of the, the steps that President Obama has taken. Um, this is really important to Louisiana because um, climate change is uh, causing sea, level sea levels to rise around the mm -hmm. world and Louisiana is sinking. And so the combination of those two um, factors means that Louisiana's coast is really one of the most endangered in the world. So um, we have a plan to try to rebuild the coast 
if sea levels rise too much, um, there are parts of that plan that won't work and we will have to seriously consider um, um, retreating from the coast, uh, according to the, the scientists who are familiar with us. And I think it's it's something that we all have to understand is we're talking about places like dissolvents, which aren't going to be there anymore, much less any many other little coastal cities that we many people grew up in or, you know, certainly know people that live there or enjoy going there to a fishing camp. Right. I mean, there are very hard decisions that the state is having to make. It's one thing that, that, that has come out in the latest master plan is that the state has acknowledged that they cannot, there are certain parts of the state that they cannot rebuild and that they have suggested that um, as many as 20, 27,000 buildings may have to be mm. um, mostly elevated to deal with flooding. And some of them, um, about almost 10,000 of them are in St. Tammany Parish. So this is a very much a local issue. And, you know, it's interesting when you mention St. Tammany. What I have mentioned are the, the things that go against, or, you know, the, the gulf would rise up. But when you talk about St. Tammany... You're talking about where many of our listeners live and work, and, you know, it's not a fishing village or a vacation village. It's a home. Oh, yeah. We're not talking about something down the coast. We're talking about something in the communities where many people live. That's why um, I think that, you know, these issues are going to start to um, be very uh, relevant to people and where they live. We also talked about the Paris Accord. Tell us what that is and what are your things that make you worried about what might happen. And when I say things that make us worried, we are talking to scientists, Bob Marshall, our environmental mm-hmm. reporter, very, very experienced reporter. Um, you know, he's it, talking to scientists about what they're concerned about. And so what they, the Paris uh, Climate Agreement is, uh, you know, President Obama signed on to this and all the countries in the world agreed to voluntarily limit uh, emissions of greenhouse gases, which are uh, all, you know, which are known mm-hmm. to uh, be causing the, the planet to warm. And if everyone, if all these countries voluntarily take these steps, they believe that they can slow the pace of, of temperature rise, which will cause the oceans to rise not as much as they mm-hmm. would have. So if the, now President Trump campaigned to say that he wanted to pull out of that agreement, uh, various industries say that it's too onerous and it will cost too much money to comply. So if he were to do that, which he ha- would have the ability to do, um, he his agencies could stop taking the steps that they would be uh, taking to uh, limit greenhouse gases. And if they were to do that, scientists say that there is basically a tipping point that um, if if we don't keep temperature rise to a certain point, uh, the seas will rise much higher, mm-hmm. and um, and then, again, coastal Louisiana will be even more in jeopardy. So this is something for those of us in Louisiana, whether we voted for Trump or not, should keep a very close eye on what happens next and perhaps make our elected representatives and anybody else who has any voice in it uh, aware of our, our deep concerns and what exactly, what next kind of yeah, that's true. And one thing that people maybe around the country don't realize is that this is very much a national issue. Louisiana does not have the money oh, that no. it needs yeah. for this uh, rebuilding plan. And uh, if the federal government, you know, were to come through with, with they would be, we would need money from the federal government to be able to, to pay for this plan. And so um, congressional representatives and senators would have to all uh, understand that this is a national issue. Well, and also an awareness. One of the things... All of us are aware of uh, 
environmental problems, but very few of us know exactly, well, what should I be doing about it? And maybe that's something we have to think about right, too. Right. But also we have to make our representatives aware that we are concerned about this. It's not just, you know, sort of a passing, oh, well, can that be right? Oh, dear. You know, and then go on to something else. Right. And thank you, Lens, for keeping our, our attention focused on it. I know you all will. Let's talk about some other things that might come up. Your, one of your interests is in schools. What do you think uh, is in the future? Well, no prophecy, but just right. give us what, you know, what sorts of things might be in the, in the air for this. President-elect Trump, President Trump's um, pick for education secretary is mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos. Uh, she's a philanthropist who lives in Michigan, and she has been instrumental in reshaping <laughs> the Detroit and the Michigan uh, education systems. Mm-hmm. Um, she favors a very conservative free market approach to education and um, uh, is a big supporter of vouchers and charter schools. So one of the things that people are talking about is, well, New Orleans has, is a center of, of charter mm-hmm. school reform. Nationally, we're looked at as a model for how you can um, almost almost charterize an entire school system. We, sure. have, just a few, we have just a few schools here in, in New Orleans that are not charter schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the... the I suppose concern among some education reformers is that there are ways to create charter schools with accountability, and then there are ways to do it without any accountability. The system in Detroit and Michigan, according to uh, the experts, is not known as a place that's actually oh. improved results for students and in some cases has harmed them. Whereas in New Orleans, over time, over the past 10 years, some steps have been uh, uh, taken to try to, to increase accountability and to make it so that the school system works as a more of a school system sure. than basically a series of independent operators who have no connection to one another. Well, you know, this uh, this is of great interest, and it should be to everybody. Even if you don't have children, you have to realize that one of the things that's made New Orleans attractive after Katrina was the fact that you had schools that, you know, where you felt you could send your kids and they were going to be good, well-educated and good. Um I always thought you had schools that you could do that, but I want everyone to feel the same way I do about it. Um, I can give you an example, by the way, about, you know, so we talk about generally speaking about Mm -hmm. accountability. So one of the things that um, happens in in Louisiana is your charter is is issued by uh, one of uh, a few different government bodies, Mm -hmm. and uh, you have a few years to, to... to operate, and you need to demonstrate uh, results, meaning that in, in some cases you have to demonstrate uh, gains in student test scores. Uh, and if you can't do that, your charter is taken away, and this happens, this definitely sure. happens in Louisiana. Well, in Michigan, that doesn't happen, and schools that are failing, they can continue to be at the very bottom of, uh, of, their, you know, the, of the group in terms of test scores, and yet they can continue to enroll students. And so that's a good example of how a completely free market approach differs from one in which there's some regulation, in which there's some accountability. So here in Louisiana, we've decided, okay, you can have your own school and you can decide about your own educational uh, um, approach, at, yeah. and we'll give you a few years to demonstrate that it's working, and if you can't uh, prove that, then we're going to take the charter away and hand it over to someone else who wants to try their own approach. And I think our listeners understand that charter schools <clears throat> are free, and most of them, and are paid for by voters, in other words, by everybody. Right. It's they're, not, they're like public schools. schools. Right. So it's not like you're going, you know, I mean, if you want to send your child to a private school, well, that's 
on you, you can go and pretty much pay. Though private schools, you know, there's certainly a lot of scrutiny there if you're paying for it. Right. And that vouchers, explain what vouchers are. Yeah, under vouchers, um, the the government will pay uh, the cost of uh, students to attend a private school. <laughs> and the belief there is, again, among a free market approach that if public schools aren't doing what they need to do to educate students, then they should be allowed to choose a school that is doing it, even if it is a privately run one. Yeah. Um, many of them are religious uh, schools, so obviously in New Orleans you'd have a lot of Catholic schools. Um, the educate the research that's been done by uh, Tulane University um, indicates that um, that in Louisiana the vouchers haven't haven't worked for students who um, have transferred into those schools, mm. so that they're not demonstrating gains. So. There's still a lot more to be done on that, but the research has been done in Louisiana and, and Ohio indicates that those those programs aren't really benefiting students. And and you know among you know researchers, that's all that that's what they're interested mm-hmm. in. Can you demonstrate yeah. uh, performance gains? Benefit. Yes. In other words, it, we're spending. If you're spending tax dollars for something, or if you're spending people's money wherever it comes from, you have to show what the results are, and they have to be. Acceptable results for everybody. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that now that you've scared us on those two <laughs> points, <laughs> let's move on. Um, you know, the big issue and the thing that's constantly mentioned over and over and over again is what what's going to happen to Obamacare. I know they're well. You, bring us up to date right. on it. Uh, it. You know, the Republicans in Congress are are planning to press forward with a plan to um, to repeal Obamacare. <laughs> Um, the current approach is that there would be uh, a vote to repeal it and then to uh, then to uh, delay that I- implementation in, in, in time for them to uh, figure out an approach for something to mm-hmm. replace it. So there has been there are some Republican senators uh, from conservative states uh, who are now expressing some reservation about mm-hmm. this. And it's all tied to the expansion of Medicaid. Medicaid is the government program that pays for health care for people who are poor. And uh, one of the things that Obamacare did is that it raised the threshold for which you could uh, be eligible for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Louisiana, it used to be that if you didn't have children and, you know, made over a certain level that you couldn't uh, – you weren't mm-hmm. eligible for Medicaid. Um, well, under under uh, Governor Jindal, the state did not expand Medicaid because he was opposed to to the program. Mm-hmm. Um, when Governor John Bell Edwards got into office, he signed an executive order expanding Medicaid. So now, about three hundred seventy five thousand Louisianans are insured who were not insured. This is the case in West Virginia, Arkansas, um, Louisiana. Uh, you know, conservative states. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, if they were to repeal. Obamacare, and there's not a plan to replace that, what does that mean for the states who have expanded their Medicaid programs? Are they going to have uncertainty about how much money they're going to mm-hmm. have later? So this is um, a rift that is emerging in the, uh, among conservatives um, because they have seen that you know more of their residents are, are insured and have health care access, and they don't want to leave them in limbo. Well, is... Uh... Isn't this what Senator Cassidy is talking about as well? I mean, and yes. he, certainly he's a conservative from yes. a conservative state from Louisiana. And I think he's absolutely vo- he's a, said some things. Yeah, yeah, Can you is, tell us what he said? Well, he's just one of the people yeah. who's, who's expressed reservations about <clears throat> about not knowing what will come next. And there's, you know, there are a lot of things that are going to be difficult with this. Mostly the insurance market needs to have some. Um, yes 
knowledge about what's coming next so that there's not chaos in the marketplace. States need to know for their budgeting plans, what can they expect? And um, if they had, you know, if if they were to if there were to be a replacement of the of the subsidy system now, or the, the straight up expansion mm-hmm. now with some sort of block grant, then they would have knowledge about, okay, well, at least we know that, you know, our residents will continue to be insured. So that's definitely going to be an issue going forward in terms of how the how Congress is going to approach this. And that we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. <laughs> you know, everything seems so much up in the air because as we've said, it seems like, oh my goodness, change is coming and change is probably due. But on the other hand, we're, what next? You know, right. we've been through, it seems like chop and change. You know, one of the things, and you and I talked a little bit about this, um, one of the criticisms that's been uh, directed at the press over this election is the fact we talk about fake news, but we also talk about um, bias in news, which is, you know, we, we want our journalists to be able to look at things and look at it fairly and directly and you know, just give us give us the facts as it was. Um, what do you think? Do you have opinions about uh, the? And I know it's hard for you to speak about this, but tell us about what you think the role of a journalist should be in a free society, which is what we have here. Well, one of the things that I that we saw during the president presidential election mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, the media generally will go after the latest breaking news, and there's uh, there's always a rush to the latest news. Unfortunately, what that meant in this election is that there was um, not a lot of follow-up, um, or maybe there was more of a, I would say, less rigorous examination of, of, of issues mm-hmm. um, that had already been raised. So... Um, so what happens is if the media all runs to the next breaking story, then maybe they don't really explain what's happening with the last approach. Um, at the lens, we we have a much we have the luxury um, because of our business model mm-hmm. um, that we can focus on certain stories and go in depth and tell you and sure. explain what's going on. So um, there's been a renewed interest in fact checking um, and, <laughs> yes. and, and and trying to under, make sure that people understand issues. And you know we you know we believe in explanatory journalism at the lens. Um, it's really important that that we can that, that we can try to convey to readers just the importance of understanding the basic facts so that they can make their own decisions. Because we all, you know, we all want to uh, start from the same facts and then proceed from there. In this case, in this election, I think that, that we saw a lot of people were not arguing from the same facts. Well, you know, and this is something that's it's really on the individual to find out and to research a little bit and find out. Well, what does this mean? That's one of the things that is a strength of something like the lens. I mean, you go to it and, oh, boy, is there a lot of information there, charts and lots of t- – and, yes, it's very difficult sometimes to go through all that. And maybe you're not as interested as you think. But we if you want to wanna right. know what's <laughs> what's right. there, you got to do it. I agree that it is on yeah. on people. I sometimes, you know, will say that people um, put more thought into what they eat for breakfast oh, than, well, than what they consume for news. And, it, and many people um, – you know, scroll through Facebook, and that's where they get their news. Oh, that's wow. that's the reality, and so we, as journalists, need to make sure that we get good information that's uh, that people are interested in, and and also get that on those platforms and make people share it. And I think is this has come out every once in a while, but where do you get your news? And you have to judge what you're reading, and maybe you have to read two or three different things, and certainly don't 
read Facebook and then read the comments that are made because, wow, <laughs> they got some comments on right, Facebook. Right. And, uh, you know, all I have to say is maybe you should look at the, the lens, you listeners is who I'm speaking to, you know, or something like the lens. Are there other outlets that you might recommend just now we're not i'm not asking you to endorse anything well, I i'm think just people, saying i think people should read both newspapers in new orleans mm-hmm. and they should watch a couple tv stations because sure. the media environment especially after the the picayune um stopped uh you know home delivery yeah. uh in 2012 it became a lot more fragmented we had a lot more interest in the lens and starting in 2012 mm-hmm. um so i don't think there's you know the days that you would have a single news source that would provide you everything that you no. need to know those days are over and you need to um go to a few different sources and 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 to see what they prioritize so the lens has never uh tried to be a replacement for no, other no, news outlets not. we're trying to um really go behind the news and give you um sort of deeper understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I fill in the things that I suppose you can't publish in a newspaper. In other words, it would take a book to publish a lot of the stuff. And then to go back and cover the story, keep covering the story in the long run, what happens next. Right. Um, I know one of the things that the lens, of course, doesn't cover this, and why should it? But it always disturbs me is that there's so little international news in the newspapers. Yeah. And uh, they're things going on that are, you know, you'll catch a glimpse of it, and then you go, my goodness, why didn't, why didn't I know that was happening? And it does take, it takes some time and some readership, and not, it's not just read one source uh, does it all. Right, right, exactly. Well, tell us what the lens is going to be doing in the, the next few months with, I mean, I know you're going to be covering what's happening on the national scene, but uh, anything special coming up? Uh, we are so one of our biggest priorities is is tracking the new, the latest uh, master plan and what it means for residents Good. along the coast, mm-hmm. uh, not just in terms of the funding, but you know what what communities are at risk and what are the what do we realistically mm-hmm. need to do? Um, in terms of local government, we're going to continue to um, examine how the city is spending its money. Um, we are probably going to be taking another look at Blight to see uh, yes. to, to check on the progress there because it's been a while since our latest survey. Um, a lot of the times what we do is we take the, the press release or the headline and we try to see, <laughs> like, what, what does that really look like? Yeah. And then we're going, to, you know, we're going to be doing more on that. I can promise you that we're going to be out looking at school zone lights again because the city is going to install more speeding ticket That's cameras. That's right. And so we're going to see if all those lights are working as they should. Well, you know, I, I think all all of these are so very valuable. And they're things that people, you should be interested in because it's going to affect you. And maybe you can sit back and say, well, you know, I don't have any children. What do I care about this? You should care about it. But I can understand you have a distance from it. But things like climate change and the master plan, what it, what's going to happen in Louisiana yeah. I think that's kind of going to be a, a real wake-up for so many people. That they they have Or Medicaid, my goodness, when I think about it. You know, these are things that are of immediate interest to to us. Right, right. Uh, one thing that we are also interested in is, is, is urban water management. You know, you know mm-hmm. these coastal issues, it's not just something that's happening, you know, down, down the river or down sure. along the coast. Um, so Bob Marshall has uh, taken a, more of an interest in the past several months. Um, how the city manages water rainfall. And in the past, the approach has been to basically, um, you know, 
get it all into catch basins down mm-hmm. in, the, in the canals and then pump it out into the lake. And uh, there's a lot of acknowledgement now that that is contributing to the city's uh, sinking yes. um, because, you know, you, you may not know this. If you, you may, obviously you've seen potholes and you've seen wavy streets. Well, the ground will dry out as the ground dries out, it shrinks. And then that causes a lot of those mm-hmm. problems. So if you see that, you know, houses are a little tilted, that's, in, you know, often because sure. the land is drying out. So, uh, you know, when you talk about how can people, you know, take steps on their own, I mean, around your own property, you can take steps to, to make sure that rainfall is collected on your property and tries to stay on your property and, and then allows the, you know, to, that to replenish the soil and, and, uh, and then, you know, again, on your own property, keep it from sinking. Well, and remember that water is going to go somewhere and water is very powerful and it'll either go in the ground, directly in the ground, or it'll go under your house and undermine the, the water, you know, and cause a pothole. Right. And I hope you're also keeping an eye on the, I don't want to call them out, but the Sturgeon Water Board with all of these leaks. There's a, for instance, around my house, yep. and I live in a fairly decent neighborhood, there is a lake in, in the street next to me that's been there for years. Yeah. And we and, keep calling about it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been in the exact same situation. Um, in fact, I have the sewerage and water board in my phone. <laughs> D- so on speed I, dial. So that I can <laughs> yeah. report leaks. Um, because, you know, with all the issues we have in the city, we can't afford to have water just spilling out into the street. And we're all paying for that water. Yeah, I, there was some huge thing, like a, a tremendous percentage of the water that's... Uh, you know, taken through the sewage and water board, made pure enough to drink, and it runs out underneath the streets. And, of course, that's what causes terrible sinkholes. Suddenly the street Mm -hmm. collapses and everybody, oh, no, what happened? But uh, we'll hold their feet to the fire. Absolutely. that's what we rely on you journalists to do. Um, How long have you been a journalist? You look very young to me. Excuse me, reader. 20 years this year. 20 20 years. years. Uh, (laughs) uh, I was started in newspapers. I've worked in the South. Uh, my entire career, um, and my wife, who's from New Orleans, uh, mm-hmm. brought me back here about four years ago, and uh, and so right. I, st- I I believe very strongly in in, in nonprofit news because mm-hmm. it allows us to, um, you know, we're not as focused on the we can just basically pick our targets, um, and we can I allow my reporters to have more time to dig into things that maybe if they had, um, you know, they felt like they had yeah. to cover everything that they just wouldn't wouldn't have that time. Well, also, you're not in. One of the things about nonprofit too is you're not influenced by how much you know by the ad space. Nothing wrong with ads, but yeah, we all know, have our business yeah, models. You Absolutely. have to do what you have to do. And that, that's a great opportunity to mention that the lens Please. is reader supported, Good. and uh, and we take take tax deductible contributions at support.thelensnola.org. Tell us how to get. Tell us how to find the lens on the internet. You just did, but tell us one more time. Yeah, it's the, T-H-E, lens, L-E-N-S, NOLA, N-O-L-A dot org. You can also just type in the lens New Orleans into your browser and, and Google will, will take you there. Um, the Advocate runs some of our stories uh, during the election. WWL mm. used our, our election map and we're looking for more opportunities to partner. We uh, are, you know, have done stories with WWNO. Um, and we believe in trying to get our, our stories out to as many people as possible using these other outlets. And I recommend them to recommend the lens to all of my listeners because if you need more information about something, if you feel like you want to understand exactly what's going on, go to the lens. Thank you so much, Stephen, for coming. And uh, this has been Steve Meyer, Myers, I should say. 
Uh, thank you for coming and talking to us. Um, it's a pleasure. And we'll have you back when something else comes up. And when it comes up, tell us and we'll put it on the air. Happy to. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been Public Affairs on WRBH. Thanks for listening.